0: TED Audio Collective. I want you to think about the last time you found yourself on the receiving end of somebody's baggage. They had a bad day or they're having an issue, whatever, so they snap at you or deliver some critical feedback in a way that's unnecessary. You try to brush it off, but you can't. And if this happens enough at work, it can really build up and you're walking around all linty. So what does absorbing all of this negative energy really do to us and our organizations? I'm Madhupa Akinola. This is TED Business. Our speaker today is Christine Porath, who studies how these little acts of rudeness impact our workplaces. She's a management professor, researcher, and author of the new book, Mastering Community, The Surprising Ways Coming Together Moves Us from Surviving to Thriving. In this talk, she breaks down the cost of incivility at work and shares how important respect and kindness are in our workplaces. Then after the talk, we've got a little something special for you. Christine and I will sit down and chat about where this incivility comes from, how it spreads, and how we can handle it. But first, a quick break. This show is brought to you by Schwab. You're here because you like to keep a pulse on trends in technology. Well, all in a few clicks. Schwab Investing Themes is not intended to be investment advice or a recommendation of any stock or investment strategy. Learn more
1: at schwab.com slash thematic investing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast?
2: Support for this show comes from Economist Education. TED Business listeners know we've discussed how businesses can drive solutions to social problems, which requires understanding and presenting your data effectively. And Economist Education has a new course on data storytelling and visualization, Economist Education provides online executive education courses that last about two to six weeks. They're designed to empower business professionals to thrive. It covers everything from international relations, sustainability, critical thinking, and more. The courses feature senior editors from The Economist and invited experts who share their insights. Economist Education is a great way to stay ahead in your career, and I have a special offer to get you started. Get 15% off any course from Economist Education, only available by going to my exclusive URL education.economist.com slash TED Business. Enter our promo code TED Business at registration. This offer ends on March 31st. Don't wait for 15% off. Go now to education.economist.com slash TED Business and use promo code TEDBusiness at registration.
3: Who do you want to be? It's a simple question. And whether you know it or not, you're answering it every day through your actions. This one question will define your professional success more than any other. Because how you show up and treat people means everything. Either you lift people up by respecting them, making them feel valued, appreciated, and heard. Or you hold people down by making them feel small, insulted, disregarded, or excluded. And who you choose to be means everything. I study the effects of incivility on people. What is incivility? It's disrespect or rudeness. It includes a lot of different behaviors, from mocking or belittling someone, to teasing people in ways that sting, to telling offensive jokes, to texting in meetings. And what's uncivil to one person may be absolutely fine to another. Take texting while someone's speaking to you. Some of us may find it rude. Others may think it's absolutely civil. So it really depends. It's all in the eyes of the beholder and whether that person felt disrespected. We may not mean to make someone feel that way, but when we do, it has consequences. Over 22 years ago, I vividly recall walking into this stuffy hospital room. It was heartbreaking to see my dad, this strong, athletic, energetic guy, lying in the bed with electrodes strapped to his bare chest. What put him there was work-related stress. For over a decade, he suffered an uncivil boss. And for me, I thought he was just an outlier at that time. But just a couple years later, I witnessed and experienced a lot of incivility in my first job out of college. I spent a year going to work every day and hearing things from coworkers like, Are you an idiot? That's not how it's done. And if I wanted your opinion, I'd ask. So I did the natural thing I quit. And I went back to grad school to study the effects of this. And there I met Christine Pearson. And she had a theory that small, uncivil actions can lead to much bigger problems like aggression and violence. We believed that incivility affected performance in the bottom line. So we launched a study, and what we found was eye-opening. We sent a survey to business school alumni working in all different organizations, and we asked them to write a few sentences about one experience where they were treated rudely disrespectfully or insensitively, and to answer questions about how they reacted. One person told us about a boss that made insulting statements like, that's kindergartner's work, and another tore up someone's work in front of the entire team. And what we found is that incivility made people less motivated. 66% cut back work efforts, 80% lost time worrying about what happened, and 12% left their job. And after we published these results, two things happened. One, we got calls from organizations. Cisco read about these numbers, took just a few of these, and estimated conservatively, incivility was costing them $12 million a year. The second thing that happened was that we heard from others in our academic field who said, well, people are reporting this, But how can you really show it? Does people's performance really suffer? I was curious about that, too. With Amir Erez, I compared those that experience incivility to those that didn't experience incivility. And what we found is that those that experience incivility do actually function much worse. Okay, you may say, this makes sense. After all, it's natural that their performance suffers. But what about if you're not the one who experiences it? What if you just see or hear it? You're a witness. We wondered if it affected witnesses, too. So we conducted studies where five participants would witness an experimenter act rudely who's someone who arrived late to the study. The experimenter said, what is it with you? You arrive late, you're irresponsible. Look at you. How do you expect to hold a job in the real world? And in another study in a small group, we tested the effects of a peer insulting a group member. Now, what we found was really interesting, because witnesses' performance decreased too, and not just marginally, quite significantly. Incivility is a bug. It's contagious. And we become carriers of it just by being around it. And this isn't confined to the workplace. We can catch this virus anywhere. At home, online, in schools, and in our communities. It affects our emotions, our motivation, our performance, and how we treat others. It even affects our attention and can take some of our brain power. And this happens not only if we experience incivility or we witness it. It can happen even if we just see or read rude words. Let me give you an example of what I mean. To test this, we gave people combinations of words to use to make a sentence. But we were very sneaky. Half the participants got a list with 15 words used to trigger rudeness. Impolitely, interrupt, obnoxious, bother. Half the participants received a list of words with none of these rude triggers. And what we found was really surprising because the people who got the rude words were five times more likely to miss information right in front of them on the computer screen. And as we continued this research, what we found is that those that read the rude words took longer to make decisions, to record their decisions, and they made significantly more errors. This can be a big deal, especially when it comes to life-and-death situations. Steve, a physician, told me about a doctor that he worked with who was never very respectful, especially to junior staff and nurses. But Steve told me about this one particular interaction where this doctor shouted at a medical team. Right after the interaction, the team gave the wrong dosage of medication to their patient. Steve said the information was right there on the chart, but somehow everyone on the team missed it. He said they lacked the attention or awareness to take it into account. Simple mistake, right? Well, that patient died. Researchers in Israel have actually shown that medical teams exposed to rudeness perform worse, not only in all their diagnostics, but in all the procedures they did. This was mainly because the teams exposed to rudeness didn't share information as readily, and they stopped seeking help from their teammates. And I see this not only in medicine, but in all industries. So if incivility has such a huge cost, why do we still see so much of it? I was curious, so we surveyed people about this too. The number one reason is stress. People feel overwhelmed. The other reason that people are not more civil is because they're skeptical and even concerned about being civil or appearing nice they believe they'll appear less leader-like. They wonder, do nice guys finish last? Or in other words, do jerks get ahead? It's easy to think so, especially when we see a few prominent examples that dominate the conversation. Well, it turns out in the long run, they don't. There's really rich research on this by Morgan McCall and Michael Lombardo when they were at the Center for Creative Leadership. And they found the number one reason tied to executive failure was an insensitive, abrasive, or bullying style. There will always be some outliers that succeed despite their incivility. Sooner or later, though, most uncivil people sabotage their success. For example, with uncivil executives, it comes back to hurt them when they're in a place of weakness or they need something. People won't have their backs. But what about nice guys? Does civility pay? Yes, it does. And being civil doesn't just mean that you're not a jerk. Not holding someone down isn't the same as lifting them up. Being truly civil means doing the small things, like smiling and saying hello in the hallway, listening fully when someone's speaking to you. Now, you can have strong opinions, disagree, have conflict, or give negative feedback, civilly, with respect. Some people call it radical candor, where you care personally, but you challenge directly. So yes, civility pays. In a biotechnology firm, colleagues and I found that those that were seen as civil were twice as likely to be viewed as leaders, and they performed significantly better. Why does civility pay? Because people see you as an important and a powerful, unique combination of two key characteristics, warm and competent, friendly and smart. In other words, being civil isn't just about motivating others. It's about you. If you're civil, you're more likely to be seen as a leader. You'll perform better and you're seen as warm and competent but there's an even bigger story about how civility pays, and it ties to one of the most important questions around leadership. What do people want most from their leaders? We took data from over 20,000 employees around the world, and we found the answer was simple. Respect. Being treated with respect was more important than recognition and appreciation, useful feedback, even opportunities for learning. Those that felt respected were healthier, more focused, more likely to stay with their organization, and far more engaged. So where do you start? How can you lift people up and make people feel respected? Well, the nice thing is, it doesn't require a huge shift. Small things can make a big difference. i found that thanking people sharing credit, listening attentively, humbly asking questions, acknowledging others, and smiling has an impact. Patrick Quinlan, former CEO of Oshner Healthcare, told me about the effects of their 10-5 way, where if you're within 10 feet of someone, you make eye contact and smile. And if you're within five feet, you say hello. He explained that civility spread Patient satisfaction scores rose, as did patient referrals. Civility and respect can be used to boost an organization's performance. When my friend Doug Conant took over as CEO of Campbell's Soup Company in 2001, the company's market share had just dropped in half. Sales were declining. Lots of people had just been laid off. A Gallup manager said it was the least engaged organization that they had surveyed. And as Doug drove up to work his first day, he noticed that the headquarters was surrounded by barbed wire fence. There were guard towers in the parking lot. He said it looked like a minimum security prison. It felt toxic. Within five years, Doug had turned things around. And within nine years, they were setting all-time performance records and racking up awards, including best place to work. How did he do it? On day one, Doug told employees that he was going to have high standards for performance, but they were going to do it with civility. He walked the talk, and he expected his leaders to. For Doug, it all came down to being tough-minded on standards and tender-hearted with people. And for him, he said it was all about these touch points or these daily interactions he had with employees, whether in the hallway, in the cafeteria, or in meetings, And if he handled each touchpoint well, he'd make employees feel valued. Another way that Doug made employees feel valued and showed them that he was paying attention is that he hand wrote over 30,000 thank you notes to employees. And this set an example for other leaders. Leaders have about 400 of these touchpoints a day. Most don't take long, less than two minutes each. The key is to be agile and mindful in each of these moments. Civility lifts people. We'll get people to give more and function at their best if we're civil. Incivility chips away at people and their performance. It robs people of their potential even if they're just working around it. What I know from my research is that when we have more civil environments, we're more productive, creative, helpful, happy and healthy we can do better each one of us can be more mindful and can take actions to lift others up around us at work at home online in schools and in our communities in every interaction think who do you want to be let's put an end to the incivility bug and start spreading civility after all It pays. Thank you. Thank you.
0: (laughs) Tired of unnecessary payroll errors and the problems they bring? Like employees missing bills because of shorted paychecks, managers taking the heat from angry employees about those shorted paychecks, H.R. and payroll teams clocking late hours to correct timesheets, expense mistakes, missing overtime, and sick days. All of that is so unnecessary. Pump the brakes on payroll errors for good by putting employees in the driver's seat. With Paycom's Betty, employees do their own payroll. Betty identifies errors and guides employees to fix them before submission right in the app. Because no one can afford for payroll to be wrong, and who knows when their pay is wrong, or right, better than employees. So why not let them fix payroll problems before they become problems? When you get payroll precision every time, unnecessary payroll hassles become, well, unnecessary. Manage the process to make payday right for everyone with Paycom. Learn more at paycom.com slash soundrise. That's paycom.com slash soundrise.
1: If there's a surefire way to wake up feeling fresh after a night of enjoying alcohol, it's with ZBiotics. ZBiotics pre-alcohol probiotic drink is the world's first genetically engineered probiotic. It was invented by PHG scientists to tackle rough mornings after drinking. Here's how it works. When you drink, alcohol gets converted into a toxic byproduct in the gut. It's this byproduct, not dehydration, that's to blame for your rough next day. ZBiotics produces an enzyme to break this byproduct down. Just remember to make ZBiotics your first drink of the night, drink responsibly, and you'll feel your best tomorrow. Go to ZBiotics.com slash TEDBusiness to get 15% off your first order when you use TEDBusiness at checkout. ZBiotics is backed with 100% money-back guarantee, so if you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. Remember to head to ZBiotics.com slash TEDBusiness and use the code TEDBusiness at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, ZBiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times.
0: Christine, it is so nice to have you here today. Thank you so much for taking out the time to talk a little bit about this concept of incivility. Well, thank you so much for having me. Since your talk is about incivility, I just want to make sure we're very clear on what incivility really is. Do you mind defining incivility for us? You gave great examples, but I'd love for you to break it down.
4: Sure. So it's really just when people feel like they're being disrespected treated rudely or insensitively. And the tricky thing is, this is very subjective. So it's all in the eyes of the beholder. And
0: it's how you felt about something uh, that matters. Well, And what's even more powerful about that is that you said that incivility is contagious. Tell me more about how that contagion works. Yeah, so uh,
4: unfortunately, incivility is like a virus, so you can catch it anywhere. So whether it's social media, whether it's you know someone that's responding to you in what you feel like is a rude way, and we may not even really be conscious of the fact that it, it bothers us a lot <laughs> in the moment, mm-hmm. but what happens is we tend to take that with us we we move on and start talking with someone else and we think what's my problem i have no patience <laughs> i'm upset you
0: know and potentially passing that on to others oh i love that cuz initially I thought of it in some ways, like if someone says something unkind, then other people feel licensed to pile on. Uh. So there's contagion in that way. But you're also talking about the contagion as it relates to the emotional contagion of the downward spiral. Exactly. So you're right. I mean,
4: you're absolutely, I think that there's a tendency, particularly in the workplace, where there can be, pylons, you know, or what we've studied is like the role modeling. So you see yes. someone else do that. And especially if they have more power or status, then you're thinking, oh, that's the way we should act around here. <laughs> For example, when we've asked people like, why are you rude? You know, and granted, we all are from time to time. Yes. Um, while the number one reason is feeling stressed or overloaded, yes. overwhelmed, but 25% say because my leaders are.
0: Yeah. So tell me, what should you do if you were a bystander and let's say you do witness someone more senior engaging in an act that you know someone did not feel good about? How do you deal with this effectively?
4: Well, it's... uh really tricky. You know, it depends. Because, you know, do you feel physically safe, for example? Mm. I mean, a lot of people, they don't feel comfortable speaking up, especially if this is someone with more power. So in that case, you know, you might talk to someone first about it, maybe talk to your boss or a mentor or HR or something like that. Um, If you're comfortable, I mean, ideally, we are calling each other out on this. And, Mm -hmm. you know, certainly, I would suggest that you do it privately versus publicly, like in a meeting yep. or something like that. Um, yep. But I think, you know, if you come at it from the standpoint of, you know, do you want some feedback or you're exchanging feedback? In other words, you know, it might be that you're asking, are there things that you can improve on? Yeah. And then yeah. this provides an opportunity where you can also provide some feedback with specifics and about how it made you feel you know, so that they're less likely to feel defensive about it.
0: Right. And I love that um, use of the subjective in terms of saying, this is how it made me feel. You did just mention feedback. Well, what if I'm the problem? What if <laughs> I'm the one who um, is being civil and doesn't know? Yeah, well, I think
4: most of this actually stems from a lack of self-awareness. And I think, you know, Tasha yurick's work on showing that like 95% of people Believe that they're self aware, only 10 to 15% are. That shows the gap of, you know, roughly 80% mm-hmm. of us missing the mark any day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think really so much of this should be tied to you seeking feedback to try to hone in on where are your blind spots? Because we all have them. And so it's yeah. a matter of how am I perceived? We may not realize, you know, how we're projecting. <laughs> Our opinion, or our viewpoint, or even you know some of our nonverbals. So, yep. getting feedback on that can be incredibly helpful.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that makes absolute sense. I feel like it might be fun for us to try to do a little bit of a role play. Okay. <laughs> I find these to be fun because I think it's so important for people to kind of enact um, what we're talking about here. I'm going to say something about a piece of work that you wrote or something. I don't know. I'm going to make it up. Okay. And I want you to tell me what you would like to say with me when we meet. Okay. Okay. I need to think of something good. Um. (laughs) Maybe we'll imagine that you sent me a draft of your book and I tell you, you know, first of all, I'm not really sure of what the main point is. Second, I don't know how much the world needs this. There's so many books out there about community and, you know, jerks at work and things. And I just, I feel like you might be able to put your talents towards another topic. I'm just being honest. You asked me for feedback on your book, and that's where I'm headed and how I feel right now about it.
4: Well, Madupe, uh, I appreciate the feedback and I appreciate the time that you put into it. I think that, you know, it would be helpful for you to also share what worked as well, because I'm already coming into it feeling like this has been really challenging. So maybe you could also be just slightly more specific on why it didn't work.
0: That would be super helpful. Okay, let me go back and do that. (laughs) I love that. But the reason I love it is that A, you talked about how it made you feel, Mm -hmm. which we talked about earlier. B, we have to teach people how to give us feedback. Yeah. (laughs) In a civil way. So you brought that in, and I feel like that is half the journey. If you teach people who haven't done something well or who need more guidance on how to be civil, Mm -hmm. how to be civil. Well, that's great. I, I actually didn't th- feel like you were uncivil
4: at all. But I think maybe part of that is because I uh, assume good intentions on your part. Like, I do mm. think you care personally. And I think that's like, you know, m- much more than half the battle.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you again for being here today and for your wonderful work on incivility and on Mastering Community too. Um, Hope to see you again
3: soon. Thank you. Likewise.
0: That's it for today. If you want to learn more about the importance of community and how cutting down on incivility can strengthen the communities we're a part of, be sure to check out Christine's new book, Mastering Community. This episode was produced by Transmitter Media, with help from Jordan Bailey, and fact-checked by Matias Salas. Special thanks to Anna Phelan, Michelle Quint, Corey Hagem, and Colin Helms. I'm Madhu Bakanola. Talk to you again next week.